Welcome to Well, Why Not? Conversations about opening your mind, then your passport. My name is Deborah, and I'm a first-generation Haitian-American who decided to leave the U.S. several times during my adult life. Currently, I live in Quito, Ecuador, where I've been for the past four years. I'd like to share more about my journey with you and invite others who have taken the leap to move away from the familiar, mainly in the form of immigration or expatriation. Greetings for those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome. And for those of you who have tuned into previous episodes, welcome back. So today I would like to talk about changes. I know that there is a common saying, the more things change, the more things stay the same or the more they remain the same. And I feel like since the start of the pandemic, it has been nothing but changes. And two years later, they continue. Um, and just in different arenas, there's just, I think the, the, the pace at which we are dealt changes have or has increased a lot and it doesn't seem like it's slowing down. So I believe the more things change, the more things change. And not so long ago, I was thinking about all the changes that have happened in such a short period of time. And I started, it really, you know, during, during the, the hearings for um, Justice Brown, that actually kind of made me reflect a lot more on the state of women, women of color, black women, um, myself. And um, I thought it would be interesting to kind of look back at what I feel has changed and what has really kind of stayed the same or hasn't improved at the rate that we would like because I think there is just I think change is constant so there there is probably very little that we can point to and say hasn't made any movement forward or backwards um, but it does I think when when things are important things are urgent um, you would like change to happen a lot faster and it can sometimes make it feel like everything is at a standstill. So anyway, I would like to start talking about the black experience. So, and this is very much focused in the US, but I think that because US media is so um, influential that anything that happens in the US doesn't mean it's gonna happen around the world, but it's it has a pretty big stage. Um, so people do see it. People, um, and especially when it comes to minority groups outside of the U.S., I think seeing certain things that are able that people are able to accomplish there, it it gives them a little bit of hope, and I think it does give them a little bit of representation as well. So, what has stayed the same? Unfortunately, I think p- police brutality, and actually, I. I don't know. I I don't like to look at these statistics, but I would say it feels like it's it's more. Um, I do think that a large part of it feeling that way is the media, is social media, is the fact that you know a lot of things are caught on camera and then shared a million times over. So it just feels like it happens, you know, ten times more than than it was happening five years ago, 10 years ago, but I I would venture to say statistically, it probably hasn't increased. I don't know if it has decreased, but 
I would, I think that what we're seeing, what is getting caught on camera now was always happening. Um, unfortunately, it seems that no matter how much of a light is, is shined on the problem and how much it's talked about, I don't know. It just feels um, maybe there is some dynamic with police officers and, and armed officers being, you know, in a position of power. Maybe that's playing into why it just doesn't seem to deter them um, from doing and committing the same mistakes, committing the same crimes that others have gotten in trouble for now. I mean, people are paying consequences for overstepping, for um, excessive use of force. But again, you see it over and over again. You're still seeing it caught on camera. And you would think that somewhere along the line, people would be a little bit more careful or a little bit more aware. Um, I actually think that they somehow remind me of immigration officers. So anybody who's ever flown in to or flown in internationally um, into the United States, depending on which city, because, yeah, some some airports and immigration officers at certain airports seem to be a little a little more difficult than others. I actually, you know, I think I'm interested to know because I've never asked a white person if they've had this experience, but I know that I've had it. Um, friends of mine have had it, but they all are black or brown. And sometimes you, yeah, you go into um, your little immigration area and you, and you think, okay, this is just going to be routine. And you just get a very difficult person who wants to know why you traveled to the place you traveled, how long you've been there. And it's, it's, it's an interrogation um, versus like, this is just a screening. I just want to check to make sure that, you know, you're not bringing anything that you shouldn't be bringing in. No, it's, it's pretty aggressive. Um, though, you know, you're not allowed to film them. So <laughs> I don't know. I just thought of them and, and their, their level of abuse and how it has not gotten better. Um, I know people complain about it and I'm sure people have filed complaints, but yeah, um, similar to law enforcement, there just seems to be this, um, sense of entitlement or sense of, um, you know, power that nothing could deter them for, from acting the way that they were quote unquote trained to. So the other thing that I think has stayed the same is, um, the disproportionate number of black people who are incarcerated in comparison to whites and even Latinos in the U S. Um, I don't th I think, I feel like the statistic has stayed pretty stable. It's just extremely high. It's like five times more likely um, black people are five times more likely to, to be incar incarcerated than, than white people in the U.S. And that too, I think that part of it is the broken criminal justice system. Um, and, you know, and it's linked to law enforcement as well. So I guess it sort of makes sense if, if um, the abuses that we're seeing with, with law enforcement are not going down are not being addressed, then how could the broken um, justice system be, be addressed or be fixed since they, um, they feed into it? <laughs> so their, their, their arrests are what then lead to you know, the higher number of incarceration. They are arresting black people a lot more than they are arresting white people, um, even though I think Black people make up like 16%, if it's even that high, um, of the total population. So yeah, those two things, unfortunately, um, have not 
changed much but what has changed is we now have a black vice president and not only that a black woman we now have a black supreme court justice a black woman um oh i <laughs> not to not to forget or minimize clarence thomas but um you know just having a black woman is i think such uh progress it, it it's about time. I wish this would have happened many, many, many years ago, but um, better late than never. Um, also, uh, black business ownership is up and it's up about 30% since the pandemic started. And I think that's wonderful. I think entrepreneurship is, um, is a great way to improve your not only your financial literacy because i think by virtue of being an entrepreneur you are going to learn a lot more about managing money budgeting um you know making a profit how to reinvest those profits then you would learn i mean you learn more of that as an entrepreneur than you do as an employee so the fact that more black people are feeling confident enough to pursue you know, their interests in that way and take them from being hobbies to actual businesses, I think is, is amazing. Um, I see how the entrepreneurial spirit can, can transform communities, really. It can transform people's experiences. Um, I see this a lot with, with migrant communities, those that are able to start their own businesses, even if it's targeting only them um, as clients. But it's, it, it also keeps keeps funds within the community it's almost like you're reinvesting in the community by doing that so the fact that 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 has gone up so much that's a lot 30 percent is is pretty cool i think um i also know that entrepreneurship is not easy and you know it's not that 100 percent of people who start businesses succeed um it's quite the contrary but i again i think it's more about that spirit and the knowledge that you acquire by, by owning, by managing, um, potentially employing others and creating, you're creating jobs. Um, that's just, you know, being an entrepreneur is, is, is pretty incredible. Um, those who are able to pursue that and who, who excel at it, I, I always tip my hat to them because there's just so much you learn. Um, and, and I, I've also seen people, what they call like serial entrepreneurs. Like it doesn't mean if I start a cookie business now, that's it for the rest of my life. I could in five years, stop that and open a bar. And then after that, um, I don't know, <laughs> sell something on Elf Etsy. But yeah, there's, there's so many ways. But again, I think it's that spirit. It's just being creative, figuring out um, gaps in in the market and trying to fill those, provide good service, um, provide quality products, all of those things, um, again, are just things that I don't think are even taught in school or you're able to learn in school. You just have to experience it um, to, to master it. So the next area that I thought about in terms of changes and things that have stayed the same is life as an expat. Because I'm coming up on 12 years, which is, no, I've actually already hit 12. No, December will make it 12 years, sorry. <laughs> so it's a long time. Um, it's a long time, and I did not expect to be living abroad this long when I, when I left in 2009. But um, one thing that I realized 
has stayed the same is that there are always people who complain and compare and go, well, well, in the U.S. it's done this way and why isn't it done this way and that are never happy. Um, That, I think, is always going to be a part of expat communities, of expat lifestyles. Um, I think probably the longer, I would hope the longer you are an expat, the, the less of that you do. Um, the more you you adapt to your current community, your current country, um, and the the less you value, I think some of the things you thought you valued when you first left, you realize you that there aren't they aren't that important um, for you to live a happy life. So you are able to enjoy your time and your your daily activities a lot more once you stop comparing <laughs> everything that you're doing to how you would do it or how it would be done um, in the U.S. or wherever you come from. I've seen this with people from everywhere. It's not just um, an American thing. I've heard Canadians do it. I've heard French people do it. It's it's pretty, it's, it's a pretty universal trait. Um, also, something that has not changed a whole lot, being an expat, is um, most communities in Latin America do not openly talk about racial inequality. Um, I do not broach the subject unless I'm asked. I am try. I try to be respectful of my surroundings. I try not to, um, you know, because a lot of my perspective is U.S. based. So even if I explain it, I would have to give the caveat like this. This is how it is in the U.S. Um, I can't speak to the experience of. Um, someone of African descent, or um, I'm thinking in Spanish right now, Afrodescendiente, or somebody, or a black person in in Colombia, for um, for example. I can't speak to that experience. I can't speak to that experience for anybody really who's who was born and raised in a country in Latin America. Um, I can only talk about my experience, and again, it's it's not. It's not very similar, and that's the other thing. I think there would probably more be more similarity amongst the region um, than it is with the experience in the U.S. Um, and so it's just not something that I get to talk a lot about. And I realize when I'm in the U.S., I do. I especially now. Um, I think that there there are more opportunities. People are are more open to hearing about different experiences, and it's. I just feel a lot more comfortable just saying like, oh, as a black woman, um, and I don't, I didn't feel as comfortable saying that. I'd say like, oh, now that I've been gone so long, I have, I probably have to say before I left um, because that's when I had the most exposure. When I go back and I go back for vacation and even if I'm there a month, I don't, I know that it's temporary. It's not the same. And I kind of stay within a bubble of, you know, my friends, my, my family, I'm not getting the full experiences when I lived there and I had to work and, um, you know, do your just daily activities where you were exposed to to different people. But I do um, I do know that here (laughs) or at least in this region, it's not that hasn't changed. Um, And. Also that I'm still fetishized in a lot of places. I still get the you know comments about my skin, comments about my hair, um, questions or people assuming I'm from Africa, things like that. Um, that hasn't really changed. I probably obviously during the last two years have not gone out as much, but um, 
it still happens. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost like it's an expectation or getting stared at. Um, and I know that, especially in a place where I, I notice they're not staring at everybody. Some places just do stare. Oof, like Haitians, like you go to Haiti. I don't care where you like you. You don't have to stick out. You will get stared at. I think that um, I've heard that Indian culture is very similar. People just stare. And I think in here, um, I see it more. I notice when it's just me that's being stared at versus everybody in the store or everybody um, around me. Um, what has changed? I think that more black people are traveling. And so exposure representation is much higher. I even see commercials now um, in the region that have black people um whether it's a beauty product or you know um or food or whatever it is and that's i didn't expect that i knew that it that has been changing in the u.s a lot but i i figured um even though a lot of the companies here are multinationals you know you know they're american corporations or whatever but i didn't think that that shift would happen here a lot and i just think because black people um, specifically from the U.S., are traveling a lot more, that people are exposed to that, to, to seeing black people a lot more. It's just, I don't know, it's a very, it's a nuanced thing. It's not, it's, I can't even quantify it. I can't qualify it that easily. It's just something I've noticed. I've noticed that I can be, if I'm in a touristic place, I will see um, a lot of black people that are tourists and not necessarily, you know, from, or from here or from, a region that um, that has a lot of black people. For instance, like when I first came here, the very few black people I would see would be like wiping windows on um, on street corners, or just they just tended to be in places and and shown in this very like vulnerable situation. I didn't see any like I didn't. I still don't see. Um, any like managers at banks or managers at the stores, um, salespeople, it's rare, like that kind of thing. So I still don't see that. But like I said, if I go to a very touristy place, I will see black people and I will hear English <laughs> being spoken. So that is actually a cool thing. Um, I think it has its impact. It's not necessarily, I mean, they may not even interact a whole lot with the locals, but I think just, again, the local scene, like, oh, wow, black people travel. Like, they're not just coming here um, to kind of fill up the streets, to loiter, to um, some of them would be on corners, like, asking for handouts and things like that. It's, it was very interesting, that dynamic, that it, and it shifted. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but I do think seeing them um, in this in this other light is, is great. And then for... Another change that I've seen is uh, that younger generations from the global north, and when I say global north, I mean like the quote-unquote richer countries. So not just the U.S., not just, you know, well, not just the U.S. and Canada, um, including like Europe and Asian countries. I think a lot more younger generation are are considering expatriation, like considering like living in another country and not as a retirement option. So that, that has been a big shift. So you... I, I meet and see younger families a lot um, who have who have decided to, even if it's just for a few years, and they're just like, oh, you know, childcare is so expensive, and um, you know, we want to just have more flexibility, etc. I mean, everybody has their own story and their own reason, 
but seeing younger people <laughs> and then not it's not just limited to those who have like worked 30 years and now have their retirement or their pension and they're living off of that in Costa Rica. Um, that has changed a whole lot too. And lastly, I think like technology has improved um, someone's ability to live their life abroad. And maybe that's why the younger generation are are more interested as well. Um, I think oftentimes, and this is definitely my case, uh, when you even when you expatriate, you kind of have a foot still in <laughs> in your country of origin, and you try to manage um, certain things, whether it's a PO box, bank accounts, filing taxes. Like there's there's a level of responsibility that you still have, just because you, at the end of the day, you know you're you're temporary wherever you are and again my temporary has turned into 12 years but I go back and I like again I still maintain um, certain things um, or certain connections um, to the U.S. and it's just technology just from in my time since I've expatriated it has become so much easier in the beginning it was really hard um, things like VPNs were not as common so logging on your bank account from abroad was not a possibility you had to use a VPN and like I said they weren't common so the few that were there uh, it was it was a lot um, streaming um, streaming series and things like that when I first left was not a thing like you could I mean, I started my Netflix subscription when the red envelopes were still arriving in your mailbox. So um, have, it's just seeing that shift. And so it just, over time, something simple as, you know, did you see this last night? Or did you see what happened on The View? Or, you know, like little things that in the beginning was like, no. <laughs> like I felt so disconnected from day-to-day -day life. Now it's just, I feel... It's it's almost like I don't even feel like I have a foot in, a foot out. It's just I'm living two places at once, if that makes sense. Um, but again, that's all because of technology that I'm able to manage so much um, just, you know, through through technology, do so much, open things. It really is remarkable. And I think if you had the experience where you were still using, you know, DHL or just, a, you know, the regular post office to... to get things from one place to another, you can greatly appreciate how everything has gone electronic now. All communications are electronic. It's the preferred method. So you don't have to, you know, worry about, oh, all my mail has piled up at this one place. How am I gonna get it to me? Or how am I gonna get somebody? Or, oh, and then waiting for somebody so they can mule it to, oh my gosh, it's, it's, been, <laughs> it's been an experience. And I just am so grateful for technology and how it's facilitated um, being an expat now. So. That is my list, which I think is pretty long. Um, but what are some of the things that you've seen change or what are some of the things you've seen stay the same? Um, let me know in the comments below. All right, until the next time, be well.